Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome, JC. Back in the studio today. Woo, woo. Glad to be back home for a little while, but we're going to be on the road again real soon. We got a big schedule coming up over the next week. Uh, just to give everybody an idea, because I know you guys are more than just podcast listeners, YouTube, Facebook watchers. You guys are actually part of the Liberty First Brigade. So let me let you know what's happening on the forefront here. This Friday, we will be flying out to St. George, St. George. That was almost my Missouri popping out there, wasn't it? I heard it. <laughs> St. George. <laughs> Farty far. Farty far miles from here is St. George. <laughs> My face is getting hot, so I know I'm blushing. So anyway, we're going to Friday night fly out to St. George, Utah, where Saturday morning we are going to be, are you ready, JC? We're going to be filming, like we're live professional filming, uh, two courses. One will be the solution to government overreach, both on the state and federal level. And the other will be JC's righteous resistance to tyrannical authority. Right. Did I give that one right? Sure. Because, you know, me, I'm like changing the names it of the titles all the time. This is really, really important. So if you have are if you are in the St. George area or would like to be in the St. George area, because we're actually flying into Vegas and driving. And so I believe if you're from Vegas, draw a circle, uh, put a pin in St. George and another piece of string on Las Vegas and draw a big circle all the way around. If you're in that area, see if you can make it. You can find the results at chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. This is a special last-minute production because you will become a member of a uh, live filming audience that will be used at a later date. Dun, 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 dun. Cool. And then Sunday we fly out to Washington. We will be in Olympia, Washington, uh, teaching Monday and Tuesday. Then we leave Olympia, Washington on Wednesday. We will be teaching in, uh, in uh, Kansas, which is Olathe or Olathe, Kansas. And then we will be in Rayville, Missouri. And then we will be back home. But these, this is going to be like, like a, a, a shotgun tour. And so go to chrisannhall.com, catch up with all, all of our locations and make sure that you are there. If you can be there. And if you can't be there, would you please share these events with your friends in your social media? Remember, I am still in Twitter prison. It looks like I'm getting a life sentence, JC. I really don't think that they're ever going to unsuspend me. So whenever you see our posts or you see these right now, right now, go ahead and like and share. Share it to Twitter. If everybody watching right now shared to Twitter... Uh, it would be a whole whole lot of fun to, to undo what Twitter has been trying to do with us. If everybody united together to share this information, we would have an, a bigger audience seeing 
these programs than if we were just by ourselves. So remember, if you're on Facebook, share as well because Mr. Zuckerberg doesn't like us either. And share on YouTube, share on Twitter, share on Parlor. We I am on Parlor too. And do what you can to send out the message on Instagram or wherever you might be. JC, I got a fun story today. Are you ready? So here we go. Uh, we have Ted Cruz. Did you know Ted Cruz was a huge Princess Bride fan? Mm-hmm. So uh, JC and I are Princess Bride fans as well. Yes, great movie. And I just, here's the thing. I wonder, JC, when does a, why can't movies be movies anymore? Why do they have to be political? And so what you have now is the cast. I don't think the movie's here. political. Yeah. It's the people in it. The people in it, right? Liberal wackos. So you have the cast. I mean, like the entire freaking cast of mm-hmm. Princess Bride doing a Princess Bride reunion as a fundraiser for Joe Biden. Yeah. Well, it's right. I, 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 but specifically for the Democrat Party of Wisconsin. Right, the, right. The, so, again, reminder, we do not have national popular vote. Uh, president is elected by states. Yes. So the swing states are critical to win the presidency. Right. And Wisconsin is one of those that President Trump won uh, last time and not by a lot. Because of certain demographics that, in fact, Wisconsin is really fascinating because you have this whole demographic of sort of these farmers coming off the farm and out of the woodwork. People, grown people, like grown behind people. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) The edited version. (laughs) That had never voted before in their lives. Yep. And uh, then came, so came out to vote for the first time ever, like a ton of them. So was it was a fascinating phenomenon. Yeah. But that that and that goes to the you know what they talk about frequently, the enthusiasm gap. And so that's happening again in this cycle. So. Right. President Trump's supporters are incredibly enthusiastic he right. draws massive, massive crowds wherever he goes. People cannot wait. People to su- who support him cannot wait to vote for him. And they while, can't wait to see what's going to come out of his mouth next. While Joe <laughs> Biden does, has no, en- there is no enthusiasm to support Joe Biden. How could so you be all enthusiastic the Hollywood, about Yeah, all the Hollywood <laughs> elites and the media elites are just... You know, putting coal in in the engine, trying to make this locomotive go um, any any way, whatever way, any place they can. And this is one of those things. So you find these sort of oddball, strange fundraisers that you this is sort of cult classic movie that everybody loves. And so they're having a fundraiser for the movie. So you want to go see and meet these characters that you love, celebrate the movie that you grew up loving and quoting and laughing about. And oh, by the way, every dollar is going to elect uh, Joe Biden 
in Wisconsin. Yes, so the announcement says anything you donate will be used to ensure that Trump loses Wisconsin and thereby the White House. And what's interesting is, is that this is all couched in the fact that Ted Cruz is like, come on, guys, why are you going to ruin this movie? He says, "Princess, uh, for every Princess Bride fan who wants to see that perfect movie preserved from Hollywood politics, I think a lot of people are getting sick and tired of watching Hollywood become a political voice. I don't want to know what you believe. I don't think you, who, who died and made you boss and who made you so influential. You know, I mean, this whole idea that we have to have these people and that these people are, it's kind of like the whole uh, neo sapien kind of perspective because oh, yeah, they're, they're rich and they have mm-hmm. money, they're somehow smarter, yeah. in spite of the fact that evidence otherwise proves. Now, there's a good number of them that are smart, but uh, you have these people who are just absolutely common sense void and have such an elevated position of themselves. That now you have, you know, I mean, well, Tom Hanks has fled the country. You've got all these people who are now realizing, you know what I thought, JC? All of these people are realizing that with COVID shutting down the movie theaters, they're actually becoming irrelevant. Yes, that's right. They're becoming irrelevant. They lost their pulpit. So because that's really all they're they're sermonizers. Yes. For Marxism, Uh, you know, by by and large. That's all of Hollywood. Most of the Hollywood conservatives live in the shadows. Right. Because it's, it, it's hilarious that you've seen even a handful of comedians, actors and actresses, just just a small handful of them would come out and complain about cancel culture. Right. Mm-hmm. When they sometimes they would say something because you got to be perfectly you got to be perfectly radical. And if you say something not perfectly, acceptably radical to to these street thug loons, they will even go after uh, their own. Yes. You know, who are not who are not being, you know, towing the party line. So some of even some of the actresses and actors have been targets of the cancel culture. And then you hear about them complain about it. The fact of the matter is Hollywood has been cancel culture for decades, 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 decades. Any conservative that that sticks a toe out of the shadows in Hollywood, they are blackballed, attacked. I mean, you you are driven out of the business. I mean, people like people like Vince Vaughn and um, the other guy, Angelo Angelina Jolie's dad. I always forget his name. Those guys are are anomalies you see the one guy wood uh woods um what's his first name you james guys, woods james woods right there's another guy that they have i mean they've pretty much done their best to drive him out well even mark business. Wahlberg, who stood up and gave his testimony about being christian and being yeah. living a pure life with his wife and and how hollywood totally they they totally totally eviscerated but him some of these guys have built like they built such a you know, they, they've perfected their craft so much and they've become so big, like Wahlberg and yeah. 
Isn't Jelly, it ironic? Jelly's dad, which I can't remember his name, but these guys, they you have to you almost have to be at that bulletproof status to even begin to say anything. But right. anybody who you're not already established, you don't already have your absolute foothold. If you say something they don't like, you're done. You're blackballed out of Hollywood. I so think it's, it's hilarious to me when they complain about cancel culture, any of them complain about cancel culture. They are the progenitors of cancel culture. Well, I think it's ironic, given what happened in the 50s with it, exactly. the attack on on Hollywood right. for communism and well, the McCarthy trials and all this other crazy I'm, stuff. I way, mean, it's just yeah, they have turned... Yeah, you remind me of a McCarthy shirt. What's that? McCarthy was right. Yeah, yes, yeah. We need a shirt. So what you so, have... So, yeah, they were the targets of it, but he was right. <laughs> so what you have, then, is a situation where... Hollywood has actually taken the momentum of the McCarthy trials and turned it around Flipped on it. people. Mm -hmm. You know, I made a post the other day about um, the um, I made a post the other day about how democracies are not really governments of, fa of fairness, but but vehicles for vengeance. And yeah. that's why democracies as a society, as a political basis for society, always crash and burn. Because democracy is based on majority rule, right? And majority rule says whoever has the most power. Now, most people think of democracy as, as the most number of people. But when you think about it, it's really not about physical numbers. It's about the expression of power, right? And so even today... Which can come from numbers, but not always. Right. Well, even today we don't have... The people who are pushing the power pendulum in America are not the ma the physical majority in America. Yep. They're just they're actually a minority that's that has consolidated a, a majority of yeah. vocal power they're, to themselves. They're powerfully positioned. Yes, powerfully positioned. And so one of the rules of of a democracy as form of government and it's something that I I do quite often when I'm teaching the high school and middle school, middle school students. I give them an exercise on how majority, power of the majority works. So one of the rules of democracy is that today's majority is tomorrow's minority. And so how democracies always crash and burn is because that when that paradigm shifts, right, when the minority of today becomes the majority of tomorrow, they don't think, oh, well, you know, those people who were oppressing us and, and violating our rights and, and keeping us oppressed and enslaving us, you know, we're better people. We're going to strive to be a better society, and our majority rule will be, you know, with love and compassion and, and you know, equality as, as created and all that stuff. No, that's that's not how democracies work. That's not human nature. So when the m oppressed minority of yesterday becomes the powerful majority of today, this is this is it's just amazing. I have proven this in classroom over and over again. That minority now majority then picks up the oppressive tools and like, you see what you did to me? I'm going to do it back to you. Yeah. I'm going to do this. And quite often, JC, it's with a vengeance, yeah. like tenfold, right? And so that's what we see, I believe, with with the result of the McCarthy trials. You know, they, yeah. we put the, them the modern through Hollywood that. McCarthy yeah. McCarthyism. It's, it's like they're seeking retribution. You you did the, the, this right. to us through McCarthyism. And but again, what <laughs> what's funny? You look back and you realize uh, clearly many people got 
caught up in McCart in McCarthy's dragnet, right? Mm-hmm. With with that whole purge that maybe weren't guilty. So so McCarthy was overzealous, or the people that mm-hmm. were prosecuting this were overzealous. But at the core, McCarthy was right. Well, I will say McCarthy was correct. I won't say he's right because yeah. it's not the was government's correct. business. No, it was to cor- persecute people right. for what they believe. No, but I mean correct and in the assessment yes, of Hollywood. Yes. Well, and here's it's a my bunch of subversive Marxists. But I don't believe that was the majority at the time, like it is now. Yeah. I yeah. believe that if McCarthy had, if the McCarthy trials had not happened, there wouldn't have been such a uh, a a public publicizing or expansion of the of the Marxist principles. I believe that the people who were who were actually constitutional or however you want to put American, not communist people would have been able to maintain the communist influence at a minimum. I think I think the McCarthy trials actually gave life to communism, because what you do with oppression is oppression always increases followers. It does not decrease followers. And it doesn't matter. That's quite possibly true. So, again, on certain levels, it was not McCarthy's job to be the persecutor of communists. America, whether now this is not going to be popular, J.C., but in America, you are free to believe in communist principles. Well, I mean, except to the to the extent that at that time it was literally connected to the Soviet Union trying to infiltrate and overthrow the government. I mean, to to that extent or the propaganda of such. Right. Well, there's (laughs) no question. Yeah, that that was the intent of the Soviet Union. Yeah. Clearly declared and publicized many times over. Right, but again, but that's you know what also I think it did was elevated the perception of Hollywood in political activity. Yeah. You have to be politically involved or the government's going to persecute you I, for your beliefs. Yeah, I definitely think if we had ever I, I done that, yeah. I, I we would have kept Hollywood within their their lane. No, right, we thrust yeah. them in through the McCarthy trials. We thrust them into right. the political spotlight. No, where I agree with you, they they were totally given sort of a martyr yes. status. Yes, and I think what what you're saying, I think, was definitely true in s- sort of recruiting and and adding fuel to the fire. It kind of m- was motivation, like, oh, okay, you're going to come after me like that, and they they went harder. Now. Well, but you have people in government coming after you, then the obvious response is in a constitutional republic, whether you want it to be or not. The obvious response is you have to become active in government. You have to become government or you have to have the the capital to influence government. Yeah. And I think what they did, they did all three things and, and just started pushing forward. Yeah. So I agree and, with and that especially part. Especially when you have the mind of the people watching, no. right? How much of a propaganda tool is right. Hollywood yeah. in the creation of their movies? And I, I agree with that and as far as, you know, adding fuel to the fire in that way. But the on the converse, you know, the idea that had he not done that the way he did, that somehow that was not going to be a problem. I mean, they already had their plan and they were working their plan. It was a matter it was just a matter of of time are we going to up it a notch or are we going to keep moving steady like we have been and, and infiltrate in america yeah, they, well, they were going to get where we are today no matter what it was hollywood, just a matter of speed 
Hollywood alone could not have perpetrated what they did without no. the and school systems. Right, no, so, and they haven't. And it's not Hollywood alone. And, and that's funny. I wonder, did, did we distract from the Marxist influence in the public school systems by assigning the fact that, uh, assigning Hollywood. it to Hollywood, yeah. right? Oh, it's not my teacher's textbook. Right. It's not my kid's worksheet it's not yeah. what they're being no taught. it's possible they capitalized on it in yeah. that way because the as education system was you know that's a, the major much, vehicle if not more yeah I, that's got to be yeah. the major vehicle but at some point they figured out because you would you know you can hear them talk about this in the 50s um you know we heard we had this discussion with cl bryant about the entertainment they because remember that TV wasn't there when they started this. TV comes along and they recognize this medium of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And some point along the path, there was this open recognition that, boy, if we can make people laugh and get them entertained. And when they're, you know, now their guard is down, we intertwine this sort of Marxist programming. Man, how successful this could mm -hmm. be. So there was definitely this this opening up into Hollywood. And I think that's what people were reacting to at that time where they were, they were focused a lot earlier than this on the education system, by the way, because they could not have moved into entertainment had they not already built a base through the education system, particularly in urban areas, not so what much in rural communities. So they went hand in hand. I think one was a progression uh, from, from the other. And to your point, entertainment was so much is so much more public and so much more noticeable that there was this outcry and this sort of rising fear at that time the red scare mm -hmm. like here come the communists and so all that was sort of the perfect storm of of then mccarthy's basically saying hey something needs to be done about this this is a threat and you get this guy basically using government as a bludgeon and i think you know, there, yeah, there were some negatives about it, but I still stand by what he was seeing. Yes. He was seeing. Oh, yeah, it absolutely. It was some made up conspiracy thing. Yeah, it doesn't, it yeah. It was legit. There's no, a legit I, that's threat. why I said he was correct, but mm -hmm. using the government was not right. I have to wonder what kind of aha moment Hollywood had when, uh, when Orson Welles perpetrated the whole, uh, <laughs> Um, hoax hoax of the war of the worlds right i mean what kind of an aha moment would that be when you realize that what people see from hollywood they actually believe to be real yeah. they, they, there's this mm -hmm. this disconnect between you know the reality in fantasy when we deal with hollywood not only that we talked about this years and years ago this phenomenon of the television bringing people into your living room we talked about this in regard to michael jordan right yeah. all of a sudden michael jordan is now standing in your living room in his underwear because he's doing yeah. an underwear commercial well that's a very intimate thing for you to have michael jordan in your living room in his underwear Every day. Not necessarily the underwear, underwear thing, but every, right. every day. Every you have, day. You have this kind of relationship to that, to some guy on the screen. And, and people, and they don't have that relationship yeah. with you, but combine that with the realization that people have a difficulty separating reality from fantasy when they see it on the movies and they yeah. see it on TV. Then you have the, the perceived intimacy 
of these people. That's how you get people who are fans of Hollywood yep. because they think they actually know these mm -hmm. people. So it's a great medium for, for programming and brainwashing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, we were we were listening to some kind of call in or whatever where it was a discussion about Michael Jordan. That yeah. And the guy, w some guy was, you know, listening to all the stuff and everybody loves Michael Jordan, whatever. And the guy calls in sort of with a counterpoint and he's like, this, this guy's not what you think he is. And he says, he, you know, he wouldn't give you the shirt off his back or something like that. He wouldn't give you a dime if you asked for it. And I, I looked at you and I thought, what, what a bizarre statement. Why, do, why does this guy think he's entitled to, to Michael Jordan giving him I anything. I know, that's right, that's and, right. But it was that, and then that's when we sort of realized, like, they, these people have this lack of boundary. This boundary has been mm -hmm. torn down for them. Like, they know the guy and have they have this strong opinion of really a person they know absolutely nothing about. So and, what happens but then? But I think what you said, how Hollywood realizes that, you mentioned the War of the Worlds, because you think about Orson Welles when he did that, when you go back, um, it wasn't necessarily his intent. Like, he wasn't intentionally carrying out a hoax. And what happened was, if you didn't tune in to the very first moments of that broadcast with the sort of disclaimer, right? You missed this one second, and you didn't realize this was fake. That's what I think was the most powerful when you say Hollywood and, and the people like that learn the lesson because they realize with just this slight, subtlety one adjustment of one fine little thing of crossing that line from fantasy to reality how much you can manipulate people and now they've turned it into an art and now you inject their political marxist brainwashing as part of this powerful tool of entertainment couple that with the education system that they already infiltrated and took control of and you have an absolute million man army getting cranked out every day that just regurgitates and spouts the Marxist agenda with no thinking or ana analysis on this whatsoever. Plus, then you have the phenomenon that that has even actually apparently affected Ted Cruz, right? I love this movie so much. I cannot distinguish the movie from the people. Mm -hmm. Why would the why would the pol politics of these people even affect how you think about the movie itself? I mean, they're Hollywood. Well, they're some things just, you can't unsee. You can't right, unhear. Right, but it doesn't. Uh, I have but the same problem is, with Ruffalo. Okay, but a movie is a movie. I right? get it, but I'm and, telling you. And whether you love the movie or not, okay, doesn't. And how does this change how you feel about the movie? Right. I it, here tarnishes your memory well, now whatever. you're thinking of this you're no, no longer thinking of the movie but that's my point you cannot separate these two why why how is it that i can enjoy a movie for what it is and not have any personal feelings towards these people whatsoever now mind you this is this is a classic film now i'm not going to go see any tom hanks movies from this day forward because of who he is because i don't want to support his financial status but these people are hollywood right i these people can f be who they are politically and it doesn't change how i feel about the princess bride because i don't have some kind of lack of separation there it's a movie these people okay I they're do. actors 
they were acting. This is who they are. There they were acting. So I, I just... You're maybe different. I, I, you know, but, but it's I'm telling Hollywood. You, I sit down, it's no, acting. I sit down today, and I'm watching an Avenger movie, and the Hulk comes on. I want to freaking walk out. I Because I cannot... <laughs> I can no longer get out of my mind. Well, that's different. Ruffalo mm -hmm. spewing his crap on Twitter and whatever. Such a liberal freaking whack job. I can't enjoy the movie anymore. Well, but so, that's that's in the so for some that's of us, a looking we forward. Can't separate it. Yeah. Well, that's a looking forward thing, right? I like I said, I'm not going to go to these movies you know, to it's help like these you eat people, a bad, you know. You get bad fish at a restaurant, right? And then you never, whatever that fish is, like I, you never eat it again. And just have this bad taste in my mouth. So, I, I, man, I, I feel you, Ted. I get it. Yeah. Well, I feel Ted's disappointment, right? But okay, this is not the first. Uh, these people, okay. If you don't know what these people already stand for, yeah, come on. Know. This is not a shock. No, this it's is not, not a shock at all. But again, but I guess the whole point is it's not these people standing up and, and saying it. Now they're using the movie Princess Bride. And that's what right. really sort of put me off. My first thought was a lawyer was how can these people who do not have ownership over this movie use this movie for their own political agenda? I mean, there's so much, there's so many royalties wrapped up in different ownership in this movie. I don't know. It just, it just felt very strange to no, me I'm as sure a lawyer. But producers and directors, you know, they all support that nonsense. As well. I know, but it, all it They're would all take, all it would take is one person who has a royalty right. in there and yeah, saying, "No way, I'm not going right. to support. I'm not going to sign off on yeah. that." Good luck finding that one person. Well, in even that if, crowd. even if you have that one person though, but it's what you're talking about. If they come out and say no, can you imagine? Yeah, the vitriol done. that would right. come at them no, for you, that? No, you better oh, be independently wealthy. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you're... You better over, have a strong over, branding. Over 50 or 60, you feel like you've lived your life and nothing else to do, whatever. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you don't care. Because, yeah, you're right. It's it's They will turn and ruin your life. So I wanted to... This is or whatever they call it in the media, human interest story. I don't know. I wanted to talk about this because this this proves a point that I've been trying to make for a very long time. So a Houston family whose eviction was filmed receives thousands in donations. OK, so what you have is Israel Rodriguez, who's 24, his girlfriend and two children, ages four and 20 months, were evicted from their Houston apartment last week. Uh, he was behind thousands of dollars in rent after losing his job due to the pandemic, and his belongings were tossed next to his door. Uh, just days later, a GoFundMe account raised tens of thousands of dollars for Rodriguez and his family, enough for him to land back on his feet. And he thanked the supporters in news conference, blah, 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 blah. It's unbelievable how people got such got such a great heart people didn't have to help me but people did it because of their heart what is the, what is the the active noun in those two sentences heart the people mm. the people okay all of this idea did the government jump in to help them right did the city jump in to help them 
Did Donald Trump jump in to help them? Was it Donald Trump's job to jump in and help them? Did Nancy Pelosi jump in and help them? Charity is not the job of government. It is a voluntary service of individuals for their neighbors. Mm-hmm. You see, this is this is just, and I don't want to belabor this a long time, but the point I'm trying to make here is this whole idea that we see promulgated by big government worshipers is that if government won't, it won't Nobody do will. it. Nobody will. Mm-hmm. This is proof that that is not true. Right. What you find, and this is what I believe, if government won't, nobody will, to those who the people don't support, right? So when you have a legitimate issue, when your neighbor is truly in need, then the people will come together and support each other. But local support, individual support, really has to be the litmus test for need. Mm -hmm. Because when government then engages in charity, you don't help people who need help. You create needy people. Correct. So when when, when charity is, is controlled by the individual, controlled by the local community, the people are able to see this person really needs help. Yep. And we're able to give them a, a hand of help. We're able to lift them up on their feet and get them going again. But what government creates is not a hand up. Government creates a society of dependency. Mm-hmm. This is why charity was never supposed to be, well, one of the reasons. I mean, charity in the hands of government is theft. Because they're taking money from you by force, not by choice, and giving it to someone else. That's robbery. That's theft. It's actually robbery because theft is just simply stealing. Robbery is taking with the threat of force. Because there, because there may, may be a need. So the, the need's legitimate. It's still my choice. It's still my right. property right. and my decision. Do I want to participate in meeting that need or not? No, nobody, nobody should be under forced obligation. If you feel a moral obligation then you have the freedom to act. And, and human nature especially, and I don't, I don't mean to like cast aspersions to anywhere else in the world, but Americans historically and typically are some of the most generous people on the planet. Sure. We are the people that help. I mean, we help people all over the world. But Many times to our own detriment. Yes, yes. Well... Mostly to because... Our own, to our own debt and our well, children's debt. The, for, that's the forced charity, what you're talking about. The forced charity is what I'm talking about. But you know... So I just wanted to show that story because for me it was it was just a little... A little... A great educational window mm-hmm. as to a teaching moment, as they call it. To but show that people will step up and help. But people have to be the governor so you don't have Mr. Jose now getting $52,000 a year from us because he's found that there's a, a way a, to slide yeah. through the system. That won't turn off. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I love the point you make about the, the people discerning the need. Yes. Because if you're, if you're involved, right, then you, you build that discernment. If you're not, then you don't, you can't tell the difference. We were we were in um, 
where were we? Dallas. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh huh. Oh. Which is which is like many da- urban let, let's cities. Let's just say this again. Dallas, Texas. Right. Okay. And under most of the overpasses are just these homeless communities. It, it just. It's crazy, and it's. I texted Janet. I was like, "What is going on in no. Dallas under these overpasses?" I thought we were in Texas. I didn't think Texas put up with this stuff. So we were having the discussion about the homelessness phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Another one of those Hall family car <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> conversations. And I and I think <laughs> most, you know, a lot of people. I, this is just me thinking out loud. I, most people look at that. I think and people have this sense of, oh, you know, these people need help and that sort of thing. And they do, but maybe not how you think, right? Yeah. Uh, With just, hey, give this guy some money. I hardly ever, in fact, almost never, will just give a quote-unquote homeless person money. I just don't do it. Why why don't I do that? Because I'm a jerk and, you know, I, I have no heart, whatever. No. Because for several decades, many, many years now, I have worked in contact with homeless communities. Right. uh, In the church, through the ministry, homeless shelters, things like that. And I can tell you, after years and years of contact with thousands and thousands of homeless people, uh, and and this, this this will totally tick off the do-gooders what i'm what i'm about to say and probably will undermine you know feel they feel like it undermines you know many of their homeless ministries and outreach and whatever but here's the bottom line after thousands and thousands of contacts with homeless people in the ministry and throughout Mm -hmm. these years i could count on one hand one hand i am not exaggerating at all maybe maybe not even filling up one not even five people in the course of 25 years, thousands of contacts every year, maybe five or less have been legitimate like this guy right. in some situation that's transitory where something happened to them and they're trying to get on their feet. 99.99999% of every homeless contact I've ever had it's been a lifestyle for these people. Right. It's not transitional where they're in a bad spot and trying to make their way, way through it and they need a helping hand. That has not been my experience for over mm-hmm. two decades. Now, do these people need help? Yeah, usually it's some sort of mental uh, issue. It's a mental health issue. Nine Psychological. Times mental health issue mm-hmm. or drugs, and some people count that as, one, as the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's been a mental health issue or drug abuse issue, 99.99999%. And they have made some sort of decision whether, whether you know, reasonably with sound faculties or not, they make a decision to live this way. It is not, I'm in a bind, can you help me out? Now, they may say that, and there are tons and tons I've met that are just absolute con artists that they live this way, and this is the way that they sustain themselves every day. They're not asking you... Mm-hmm. They're not asking. This is the thing. People, people say help, help, right? They need help. They're not asking you for help. Right. So when, when I think you help somebody, then that means they're in point A down here and I'm doing something to get them to point B up here. They're not asking for that. They're asking for sustenance. 
right. to be sustained in this lifestyle that they're living. And I know this is probably something that YouTube will censor, but this is a fact. This is the truth. I've seen this firsthand over and over and over again, and it has never been proven wrong. Mm -hmm. This is a multiple decade experience that I've had. Most homeless people, it's just this is just how they live. You say, would you like, you know, can I help you in getting this job and get you through this training and get you here in this home? You you almost and I've, I've watched this. You, you almost forcibly, so to speak, you know, plug them in the system and kind of forcibly move them along. They will go right back to where they were at some point. Now, it's been different when it's somebody where I've seen the exceptions where people like they've been caught in the snare of drug use and you could get them successfully loosed from that, then those people, you know, when they're repositioned out of that domination, then they have made better lives yeah. for themselves. I've seen that over and over again. But as far as just the, I mean, most people that you see, it's just like, I mean, I've literally had, remember those guys at the Taco Bell? I, you know, I'm talking to them and I always get, try to get them in the conversation. What, to figure out what got you here. What are you doing? What's your sort of orientation in life? Where, you know, what, what is the plan here? Those guys at the Taco Bell, Live Oak, Florida. Um, they told me this is a choice. And I've had this conversation many times. Many have just looked you dead in the eye. This is the way I choose to live. And they said, the, these guys said, no, you know, I get to live however I want. Nobody tells me what to do. I uh, ask for enough money every day. They said this, get food to eat, weed to smoke, beer to drink. He, and he points behind the Taco Bell in the woods. There are tents over there. We camp out, man. We're living the life. Yeah, These imagine. were like 50-something old guys. I mean, that's not old, but, you know, 50-something guys just living whatever. Total choice, total choice. I've seen that over and over and over again. If you have not worked, you know, in that side by side, some people would never conceive that. And they see every one of these people on the street all where they're down on their luck. No, that's usually not the case, actually. So the next story has to do with the Supreme Court. And not just the Supreme Court, actually, JC, but checks and balances. I don't know. I am, you guys, I am terrible at creating titles for our YouTube <laughs> videos. We have to do them. I hate it because YouTube requires a title. Um, and quite frankly, titles are the most powerful thing that we do because a title is what somebody looks at to see if they want to watch it. So you, you misplace a word or you don't make it in, you know, a compelling title. You can have the best show you've ever had and without a compelling title, nobody will watch it. Don't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. I've watched this happen through uh, a decade now of, of YouTube. And not only that, now you have to complicate the whole thing with if you put certain words in the title, boom, YouTube's not putting your video out there. Nobody's seen it. Even if they want to see it, they're not going to see it. So uh, I don't know. This is for me. This is like vindication day, right? So we have the you know the the Houston family, and now we have this Supreme Court thing that comes to us from Slate. Slate, mind you. Now you know me. I'm not a I'm not a news bigot, so I don't think any of them are, are very credible to begin with. So for me, I'll choose from Slate just as quickly as I do from Fox. So, you know, I know I just ticked off some people out there. Fox, but Vox. Fox, whatever. Vox, whatever. Right. So I wanted to show this, JC, because I was just like, when I read this, 
And the headline caught me because I thought, what the heck, you know? Mitch McConnell may have accidentally saved Obamacare. Now, watch this. All right. On November 10th, just... Oh, sorry. Forgot to put it down there. Right. On November 10th, just one week after the presidential election, the Trump administration... uh, Just one week after the presidential election, the Trump administration will ask the Supreme Court to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. The case is California v. Texas boils down to one question. Did Congress intend the Affordable Care Act to continue without its individual mandate, the requirement that most Americans buy health insurance? Now, remember, the the mandate was eliminated, okay? Okay. Last March, Congress definitively answered the question. It passed two, quote, override laws that save the Affordable Care Act. The Supreme Court must recognize these overrides and leave the Affordable Care Act intact. Now, what we're boiling this down to is this principle. A congressional override is the legislative equivalent of a higher court overruling a lower court decision to enact an override congress passes a statute that clarifies or reverses a court's application of federal statute and they say uh congress's authority to do this rests in article one section one of the constitution which vests all legislative powers in congress okay as chief justice john roberts has recognized quote the final say on a statute is with congress all right so for all the supr- judicial supremacists out there right. who say that no one can overturn a Supreme Court opinion besides the Supreme Court, here you have the check and balance from the legislature, a congressional override. And that I know what it makes it sound like, that Congress is above the court. But this is how the check and balance is supposed to work. Now think about this. This applies to the executive branch as well, right? Because Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution vests all legislative power in Congress, which means, as Robert says, that Congress is the final say on how they write the laws. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. If Congress says, no, this is what we meant, and the Supreme Court is wrong, then that's what stands. They're overriding Congress. Now, Article 2 says that the president is the, is the chief executive. Now, what does the executive do? The executive enforces the law, which means in this same application of checks and balance. See, this is what Jefferson was talking about, co-equal. They are co-equal in their check and balance. Congress can override the Supreme Court. In the same way, the Supreme Court can judge congressional acts to be unconstitutional. They're equal in that. Well, the, the office of the executive can do the same thing because it's the executive's job to enforce the laws. Congress has no enforcement. The courts have no enforcement. So what happens then if, and this is what I've been saying for, now this is not a Trump thing, so if you get your panties in a wad because Trump's the president right now, this is what I've been saying since the beginning of we've been saying, that it's the job of the executive to enforce the laws. The essential check and balance 
is the executive's authority to refuse to enforce unconstitutional laws and to refuse to enforce unconstitutional opinions by the Supreme Court. And to have this in writing by mm-hmm. slate, yeah. nonetheless, why... I, I don't know. Maybe I am. So those, is this the, too? Cl- am I making ju- this too simple? I mean, it's judicial just right there. supremacists who say the Supreme Court has the final say. Uh, the Supreme Court disagrees with you. Yes, <laughs> the Constitution disagrees. So if with they you. have the final say, then their final say is they don't have the final say. Exactly. <laughs> so you can't come to me and say that the Supreme Court. Uh, has made the law of the land because even Vox and the Supreme Court recognize that Congress has sole legislative authority, right? So number one, calling Roe v. Wade the law of the land contradicts the Constitution and your gods in the Supreme Court. Number two, the Supreme Court can't make law and they're not the ultimate authority, There is a check and balance. And I'd love for people to recognize here, JC, that not only does Congress have this congressional override authority, there is an executive override authority. So what I would like to see... Of non-enforcement. Of non-enforcement. Like the people level non-compliance. People in the state level non-compliance, this is kind of same well, thing that's at the, the executive. ultimate check no. and balance we are always the ultimate check and balance of mm-hmm. non-compliance peaceful non-compliance we're not going to submit to this authority because it is outside the constitution and that's what happens jc when our founders talked about how one one branch would would unite with the other to become a power to override and usurp the authority of the people when that happens, Hamilton said in Federal Hamilton even in Federalist 33 that it's the duty of the people to protect their constitution. How do you do that? Through the people check and balance of peaceful noncompliance. The states have a check and balance to say we will not enforce this congre- this federal law. We will not impose this Supreme Court opinion. We will not allow the executive branch in our state to enforce these laws. And in seeing this, okay, I, this has got to be some kind of chink in that supremacist... Oh, sorry. <laughs> this has got to be some kind of, of, of crack... Which is probably also racist. A little Asian person in the armory, armor. A crack in the armor of these people in the philosophy of these federal and judicial supremacists to recognize, right? Because this is how logic works, right? Get me, correct me if I'm wrong. If I say that the Supreme Court is the ultimate authority on the Constitution, period, but I can show you where they're not, doesn't that negate the whole thing? Amen. That's how that works, right? So I'm showing you how even the Supreme Court of the United States, even Congress, who will, you know, when it fits their their perspective, will say, no, no, it's the Supreme Court. We can't do that. Here we have a recognition that this is actually correct. 
And so I would just, people are always asking, JC, they're always asking, how, what, is, what is the solution to government overreach? How do we deal with this? Checks and balances are how we deal with this. And so when I tell them, well, the Congress doesn't have, can override the Supreme Court. The executive branch can override Congress and the Supreme Court. Well, guess what? I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. And people are like, well, I don't, that's never happened. It happens all the stinking time. You just don't get to hear about it. You got to do some research. You got to get out there and look it up. That's how it works. I looked up chink. No way. No, you're right. You say crack. I, I didn't even know that. It is a crack. Yeah. So a narrow opening or crack, typically one that admits light. And it's funny. They have the, <laughs> the phrase, the phrase I hear, you know, you always use a, a chink in the armor. Mm -hmm. uh, on the online dictionary, they have a chink in the curtains, which is even fun a funnier picture in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember, back to the movie thing. It's terrible. You remember Pink Panther? Yeah. Oh. And he always had, he had his little. He had his Asian fight buddy. Yeah, that would always jump out and attack oh him. Oh my goodness. Right? Shame on you, JC. And many times he would We're hide blocked. in the curtain. We're done. To jump out. We're done. So yeah. even the, even the internet dictionary uses this racist example of chink in the curtains. Oh, our friend. Curtains. We're at the end of the show, but I just thought I would throw this out there real quick because our friend Gary Epperson just texted this to me. Arkansas U.S. Senator Tom Cotton named to the Supreme Court short list. I like Tom Cotton. He's a, fi he's a feisty. Okay. Yeah. Well, they said the same thing about, well, never mind. <laughs> Come on. Please, He's how a about fighter, man. He's a, a fighter. fighter? We don't need a fighter. We don't need a Republican fighter. We need a constitutionalist. Yeah. We need. We don't have them. We so don't. I settle for that guy okay. for now. No, no, no. We have them, JC. They're all over the stinking place. They're just not backed by lobbyists and donors, okay? There are hundreds of people in the United States that would be fantastic Supreme Court justices. I'm not saying I like cotton on the Supreme Court. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't care. <laughs> I just like I cotton. I don't care. The guy, the way he fights. Okay. Come on, people. We don't need conservatives on the Supreme Court. <laughs> we need constitutionalists. Maybe. And I don't even... I don't even... He's not? Well, I... <laughs> whatever. All right, we'll guys. research. Here we are. Please. If you find me an actual constitutionalist in, in the Congress. in Congress, okay, find me somebody that qualifies under Chris Ann Hall's constitutional standard to be a constitutionalist in Congress. Um, I don't know. I would say I'd eat my hat, but I don't eat, you know, carbs like that. So whatever. I, I, I could say just about anything because you're not going to. They don't exist. Period. So get your get your political personality worship over. So I'll take cotton. Yeah, you whatever. I'm just saying. Look, people, when you get when you when you ask for the lesser of two evils, let's get you're cruise. always going to get evil. Let's get Cruz in there instead. Sorry. All right, guys, here we go. We are out the door today, and we will see you tomorrow. Okay, McConnell then. <laughs> God bless. <laughs>